Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. We hope the Ringer can provide you entertainment and companionship during this time. So as always, feel free to check out theringer.com, where we're still covering the latest in sports, pop culture, tech, and media. And the Ringer's YouTube channel can provide endless amounts of entertainment. You can find that at youtube.com slash theringer. You get what you were looking for? I don't know everything, but I know where to start. Welcome to Tinfoil Tuesday, your Wednesday afternoon tradition on the Recapables Westworld. Because Tuesday, as we all know, is only a simulation. I am David Shoemaker, joined as always by the lovable Danny Heifetz and our loyal producer, Bobby Wagner, we're about to have a mind-warping, spoiler-filled discussion of all the theories and speculations spilling out of Westworld Season 3, Episode 2, The Winter Line. We'll also have some reader mail, so if you want to drop us a line for a future episode, please do. The email address is therecapablewestworld at gmail.com. First things first, though. Forget multiple timelines. Say hello to multiple realities, because we have to talk about this multiple simulation within a simulation situation. Um, I'm just opening up the floor for, for, for conversation here now. Danny wrote a long, smart piece about this for the ringer.com today as we record this. Um, Bobby uh, is our multiple simulation expert at the ringer.com. And uh, I just want to try to figure out if you guys are on the same page as me when it comes to understanding what's going on but just to totally take all the pressure off me, I'm just going to let Danny start us off here. Explain to us what we think, what the internet thinks is going on with this multiple simulation situation. So the internet uh, has no idea. I think the internet's confused about a lot of things right now. But I, I have a theory. I, I think I figured the whole thing out, which is always a good sign. Okay, go ahead. So, indulge me. Uh, so the first, the first episode of this season, Liam's friend asks Dolores... You know, what if we're in a simulation of a simulation? Like, how much of a fuck you would that be? And then the second episode, Maeve actually was in a simulation and escapes the simulation. So now we actually have to ask, okay, is the whole show in a simulation? Like, that's the natural question, right? Like, is anything we've seen real? Is is the human world, quote unquote, the world with Aaron Paul and Caleb and Sorak and all these guests and William, is that also a computer simulation? That's the question, right? Yes, go on. So, we're not going to like go too deep into what a simulation is right here. I mean, like simulation theory, if you guys want to ponder whether our world with this podcast is simulation, you can do that in your own quarantine time. But, just to like kind of dip your toe in the water a little bit, simulation theory was floated by the philosopher Nick Bostrom in 2003. Basically, the idea that we are all living in a simulation designed by a future civilization. With the basic idea being that going from the Stone Age to we now have like video games like Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption, it's harder to go from there to where we are now to where we are now to the idea where we're going to have humans. It's going to be an AI. It'll be so hard to tell the difference. So the basic idea is it's easier to get to future sims and simulation than where we've come from. And then if we've done it are we the first to have done it someone else would have done it so maybe we're the sims living in someone else has already beaten us to this that's the basic idea neil degrasse tyson thinks this is possible elon musk thinks that 
There is an odds that we are not in a simulation is like a billion to one. There is Kickstarters that have been physicists have tried to like replicate this and all that, but we don't have to go into like whether we're in a simulation. How this relates to the show and like what the show is trying to say about <laughs> simulations. Is they're yeah. merging this theory with the book of Genesis. They are merging oh, <laughs> simulation no. theory. Okay, with, go on. Yeah. Create, yeah. <laughs> we're here. There we go. See this. There we go. I'm the captain. Now this is my podcast now. Um, so to get to like what the show's trying to say, we actually have to look at Delor- Dolores and Bernard and all those flashbacks Bernard had in this episode in his mind when he kind of plugged into himself, his little moment of introspection. Right. I think that their relationship is the key here because they have a weird relationship, right? So going back to season one, when Ford explained the Michelangelo painting on the Sistine Chapel to Dolores, and he explains that God creating <laughs> Adam. I'm serious. I know. I know. I know. I'm a parody of myself right now, but we're going somewhere. Go so God, God creating Adam, and he's explaining to Dolores that Arnold, who co-founded the park with Anthony Hopkins, uh, Arnold created Dolores, right? And then Dolores was kind of Adam. And like she's, he's explaining the parallel to the painting. And that the surface level of the painting is that God creates Adam. But if you look deeper, it's like, you know, God is in the shape of a brain. And Ford literally says, like Anthony Hopkins says, the message being that the divine gift does not come from a higher power, but from our own mind. So the idea that humans think up God. And that's what Dolores says uh, in the first episode of the season, right? When she's asked about the simulation, she's like, no, actually, you have a part of your brain that imagines God, right? Mm-hmm. So. Take that idea now with what we know about Dolores and Bernard. So first of all, Dolores is made by Arnold. Arnold creates Dolores, and then Dolores kills Arnold. He's the co-founder of the park. And then (laughs) Dolores, based on her memories of Bernard, kind of recreates Bernard. And that's all before season one even happens, right? Right. It's this whole cascade. So Arnold creates Dolores and then Dolores kills Arnold and then Dolores creates Bernard and then we get to the end of season two which you're forgiven if you've forgotten the end of season two because it was complicated Bernard kills Dolores feels bad about it recreates Dolores puts her in Charlotte's body which is a whole other thing and then Dolores kills Bernard feels bad about it brings Bernard back so you have the the details are complicated but you zoom out it's the cycle of creation Mm -hmm. death creation one creates the other one creates the other and it's like ad infinitum and if there's any doubt about it in arnold's house at the end of season two when bernard comes up the stairs from that lab where dolores had been testing him there is a picture a drawing of two hands drawing each other it's like a pencil drawing of two hands drawing each other that's mc escher yeah yeah exactly mc escher picture about chicken and the egg so it's like which created the other first we don't know it's all we know is one can't really exist without each other it's a cycle clearly it's the hand on the right yeah, <laughs> obviously. Well, we're we're getting there, but um, this so and then Dolores tells him you only live as long as the last person remembers you because one you know she's drawing him and then he draws her, etc. So how does this relate to the simulation? I believe where the show is going, what the show is trying to say, is that Dolores and Bernard's relationship mirrors the relationship that humans have with artificial intelligence. One creates the other. And then tries to kill the other, but then creates, and it's a cycle of life and death. AI create humans, humans create AI, AI creates humans forever and ever. <laughs> a creates B, B kill, tries to kill A, A, and then B creates A again. A kills B, A creates B, and it's forever where we go. That <laughs> is the grand thing we're going to here. So it, you can get lost in the idea of, well, what if the human world is a simulation, right? If we zoom out enough, what do we see? we see the fundamental idea that Ford was trying to tell Dolores. 
the like human mind creates the idea of God, right? But then where we're going with this season is that humanity has gotten so close to actually creating a God. They created the hosts. They created Rehoboam. I'm going to get there. Rehoboam. They've created a God. And now the gods are trying to like kill the humans. But then if we're in a simulation, then the AI have recreated people. And it's this like continuous cycle that will go on forever. So if you go back to season one and the piano, right? The p- It's like, oh, the piano doesn't murder the player. It's like the people are playing the robots like a piano. But now it's like, oh, wait, if we're in a simulation, maybe we're the piano and the AI are playing us. But where the show is going, the two hands drawing each other, is people and AI together are a self-playing piano. Well, I'm glad we didn't have to go into all of it, like you promised at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bobby, how are you doing? Well, I was just thinking back to, I don't know, six, seven, 10, 20 minutes ago when Heifetz said that we weren't going to get... Uh, two hitsbong once. Yeah, <laughs> that was like hitsbong six times. <laughs> well, it's in, it's infinite, infinite bong hits. That's maybe you weren't paying attention. The bong creates us. The, the and bong creates yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. I I don't know that I disagree with anything you say, mostly because I don't know if I uh, understand what you're saying enough to disagree with it. But no, I, I think I think I got I, I got the gist of it, and I think that's I think I mean listen. A showrunner doesn't throw in an MC Escher drawing in the on the wall of a character's uh, futuristic apartment just for like you know shits and giggles. There's probably some in- intentional metaphor being conveyed there. So I mean, I think that there's I think there's a lot of obvious intentionality here with the way the story is being told. I do think there's might be a disconnect between the story that you're discussing and the story that actually gets put on the screen because the philosophical framework of seasons one and season two. Uh, was probably lost on most of the viewing audience. And I don't mean that in a sort of demeaning way. I just mean like the, you know, what they gave us was more or less an action movie. Um, they just had some, like a cool philosophical book that could be written about it after the fact, or, you know, podcasts could parse out. Um, but to get to the specific, I mean, to get to the concrete of it, I mean, to get to the, like the real tangible aspect of this. And I know saying tangible when we're talking about potential simulations is a little bit problematic, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> How does this shake out for the show that we're watching? Like, is it, um, maybe it's better to frame this, if we're going to talk concrete, maybe it's better to frame this around some reader questions, or listener questions, sorry, that we got in. One is from Jack, um, who says, in an interview with The Wrap, Nolan and Joy said we'd know what Park 5 is by season's end. Dun, dun, dun. Do you think this lends credence to the speculation that the real world would be revealed to be yet another park, perhaps future world? Brad asks a similar thing. He tweeted us, is it possible that we've never actually seen the real world in the show. We've seen the real people, we've seen real people come in and leave, but could the real world, quote unquote, we're seeing in season three, just be future world. Now, I sort of hinted at this uh, accidentally, obliquely, in our last episode, but yeah, I mean, I think that is, if, if this is a simulation within a simulation, if that's what we're talking about, isn't this exactly what you're saying? No, I, I mean, definitely. I think that that would be it's difficult to figure out where that ends because we have the idea of, oh, it's future world is a physical park operated by Delos. But it would make more sense if the future world were not a physical place, but like a digital location that would kind right. of make more sense as a like an amusement park. If this is the future, though, I mean, if not, not if this is the future, clearly this is the future in some form or fashion, the 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 the, the, the exterior world. But if the world of season three is the future, is 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 future world? Sorry, it's obviously relying on a lot of speculative technology, or pre- we pre- we presume it would be relying on a lot of speculative technology, right? That like the real world might not have hover taxis, but future world does. 
right? That like there are, there are certain things, robot buddies or whatever else that don't actually exist, that exist in future world or else it wouldn't really be worth going to. So if there's speculative technology, especially technology that enables flight and stuff like that, that would almost have to be a simulation, right? If, even, if, even, if we're, even if we're talking about it in terms of being an amusement, amusement park, it would have to be, it would almost have to be a digital experience because you can't, like a robot horse is one thing, but like a simulated flying machine that doesn't actually exist in reality is something else or else it would exist in reality. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, there's also the practical matter, again, of once you get in planes and you take off, then they can crash and die. Way better if it's a digital yeah. simulation. But I don't, I don't, I'm dubious that it's going to be like a, a kind of parlor trick where it's like, hey, by the way, you were still in the park all the time. Your USB drive was plugged into the thing and you thought you were in the world, but you weren't. I don't think it's going to be like you're going to come out and it's going to be like another Westworld time park. I think that if you if it is quote unquote future world or whatever because again people are speculating future world because that was the sequel to the Westworld movie i don't think future world would be an actual park in the sense that we've gotten to know the parks before i don't think it would be contained i think it would be the future world is not a park it's it's the actual world like like Sirac, the you know the bad guy from oceans 12 has actually created the world just is in a simulation because people are easier to control in a digital world wait you think that this is that that so, so you're suggesting that the world outside is real but that Sirac personally exists in a simulation I, i'm saying that if this is all going on in a simulation and look i wanted to avoid the, the whether this is all in a simulation or not conversation <laughs> and then we got to the second episode and we're like oh wow no really they this is where this show is going after the first episode i thought that that dolores conversation Dolores was shutting it down. I thought that that was they were going to joke about it. I did not did not think they were going down this road. But now it's very clear we're on this road, and we're going to have to have these galaxy brain conversations because mm-hmm. they're very much going head on into is this simulation? Is it not? We don't know. I don't think it's going to be as black and white as oh yeah, it's in a computer or not, and you can get out. The way Maeve got out of this one was kind of simple, right? She event- she essentially kind of found a way out, an escape route, and left. I don't think it's going to be quite as simple for this one. I do think that that could pretend like by the season finale, her, her, if she's trying to figure out if the whole world is a simulation or not, if Dolores is trying to hijack Rehoboam and I think I did it. Did I just do it? Yeah. That was really amazing. Dolores. What a great moment. If Dolores is trying to hijack Rehoboam and like kill everyone or enslave people, Maeve could hijack it and just make everyone do, do crazy stuff. She could just make everyone do somersaults and drive around and everyone just drives into the ocean or whatever. And then that sends the whole thing haywire that they could all come out. So maybe th- I think that is the most tangible prediction for the future based on what we saw from this episode is that Maeve taking control of it would use it to kind of break the wheel actually in a way to steal a Game of Thrones thing for the third thing that this episode stole from Game of Thrones. All right. Well, I will grant you that. All right. I guess the only, I guess I'm, I, to me, the difference between a simulation being totally digital and being a you know a, a physical level in the park is easy and is easy would be easy enough for the show to hand wave away that I'm not particularly stuck stuck in it. I mean, it could be as easy as saying, you know, Delos subcontracted Future World to in, to Insight because they had the tech to do it, and that's how these two companies become intertwined or whatever. But like, I guess on a deeper level. Not on a deeper level, on a on just a very simple like sidebar level. 
we've seen that like Ford built a home for himself in Westworld, right? I mean, he built, he recreated his childhood home because it made sense there. It would make a certain amount of sense that if the home, the home that Arnold created for himself was just like in another park, because like his money is endless there, right? I mean, his he he can he could live there and have the life that he wants, and especially after you're you suffer so much loss in the real world, why not just build that zone in the you know in your fake world? But anyway, all Wait, this can I can I take that one step further? Yeah, you know how. So Ford built up his house, but he did that because Arnold created Ford's old family, right? Arnold gave him as a, I mean, it's kind of a weird gift. I don't know if I would ever get you this, but Arnold gave Ford his recreated dead family members and recreated his childhood, basically, which is, I mean, thoughtful. But why would he do that for Ford and not do it for himself? Wouldn't it make sense that Arnold would have done something like recreated one of his own loved ones first? Wouldn't that make more sense? Are you talking about Dolores? I think Dolores is Arnold's mom. You wait, this is based on a this is based on a Reddit theory, right? Yes. I am shout out to the person on Reddit. Idran I, I don't know how to pronounce this. I D ran H, but on Reddit has an excellent theory that Arnold did not just take Dolores from nowhere, but that Arnold drew inspiration from his mother or maybe his wife, but probably his mother was Dolores which would make sense for a number of reasons. One, because it would just continue that one creates the other, creates the other constant, constant cycle we were talking about. It also makes practical sense of, we literally already know that Arnold was like, yeah, no, you can totally recreate dead family members. I'll give it to you as a gift to my coworker. So if he's doing that for Ford, it only makes sense that he did it for himself. And it wasn't just like he gave him a cop. He li- they literally recreated his life from when he was like 11 years old. So I think it actually makes a lot of sense that Arnold would have done that. And it also would create a lot of sense for the plot and answer a lot of questions. I mean, the things that you just said make sense, but I'm not sure that that any of that is actually compelling. I mean, how is that more compelling than like they created a robot or an Android brain based off of nothing or based on like an accumulation of people they had known throughout their lives like any artist would work. And and what we got was a I mean, what you're saying is basically just like. I think eliminates a lot of Dolores's like humanity, right? Or at least a lot of her volition. If she's based so, if she's based heavily on something that came before, and that seems like, I mean, why does that eliminate philo- her volition? Philosophically, philosophically, I, 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 that's you know, it's kind of worth indulging. But I think practically for the message of the show to have her, I don't think it ha- takes away from the message of the show because how many times has Dolores told Bernard in season two? We heard it a, a hundred times, like. You only live as long as the last person who remembers you. She kept telling him that. And then she kind of creates Bernard from her memories of interacting with him. But then it would Mm -hmm. only make sense. It would make a little more sense than if actually Bernard started out by or Arnold started out because Bernard's based on Arnold. Arnold started by making her based on his memories. But the the idea that he's raised by his mother. That's fine. But when you say that would make a little more sense. No, I mean, that would like that would that would push that whatever it would push that idiom that would push that metaphor like five percent farther but it doesn't actually make more sense for just something imaginary to have happened well here's what i'm looking for that i think will i'll be much more confident in this if this the next reveal happens so the other theory that we kind of got to get to is who's in the new charlotte the copy of charlotte hale we don't know who's been impersonating her let's talk about this so who is that so I mean, this this one has been kind of puzzling and stumping us, right? Because who would Dolores bring back? She doesn't really have a lot of friends on the show. Maeve has been super social. Dolores just had Angela so and Teddy. And Teddy's up in host world. We haven't known who it's going to be. We were thinking Teddy because it showed, because Teddy showed, or the person in the uh, 
Scottish Martin <laughs> body showed concern for her. And we were like, well, really only Teddy has shown concern for her. But it kind of would make a lot of sense if the person in Charlotte's body is Dolores's dad. Because in the preview for next week's episode, like the later on Westworld thing, after the episode this week, they show that the person in Charlotte's body was kind of asking, why must I be her? And then Dolores responds, I trust you. Really, that's just Teddy and her dad. But it's really just those two. I'd be pretty surprised at this point if it wasn't one of them. If it's not Teddy, because we last saw him up in Host World and would require Dolores getting in back somehow. Really, the only other person she trusts is her dad. And I think that if Dolores is there with her father, and you have a mom-dad relationship, and then you also have... Uh, it, it would make a lot of sense to see that, I think. All right, well, that leads into another email that we got um, uh, from Matt. And it says, just a quick question. Sorry, it says, hey, Danny, hey, David and Danny. I want to make sure that uh, everyone acknowledges that people know our names. That's great. Just a quick question. In your recaps, you all keep predicting Teddy is the host inhabiting Scottish Martin Connell's body. But my question is, wasn't Teddy uploaded to that digital heaven at the end of season two? I seem to re- seem to remember him standing in a field smiling. First of all, I'm going to let Danny answer that question, but let me do my normal preamble. I'm not sure that that matters a whit when yeah. it comes to actually <laughs> like constructing season three. But is that did did we indeed see him in a field smiling? That is correct. We did. Right? Yeah, he went to the host utopia. He went to the the cloud. And I think what we were both betting on when we were saying Teddy is that Dolores could undo that with some plot device in like 30 seconds. Right. Right. Because listen. The, <sighs> I know that what happened in episode two was entirely, almost entirely a a uh, simulation. I don't think that that precludes some of the reality from that, some of the things that happened in that simulation from being a reality. For instance, we all know that War World does exist because Maeve recognized it when she was there, or when she when she was back in the lab. Th- there seemed to be an implication in that simulation that like Maeve's daughter was still attainable, right? She was still like she, Maeve could still get to the valley beyond; that they could still be reunited. Um, that could have been totally for, uh, just totally made up for the purposes of that simulation, but it could also be a reflection of what's true. Also, I think that, yeah, like what you said, I'm not sure that it matters. Like uh, Dolores could get his brain. Dolores, could, there might be a duplicate. Who, who knows? There's a million ways I feel like this could be possible. I agreed with you entering the season and I agreed with you after season one, but this episode changed my mind because the very fact that that whole simulation with Maeve seemed, the, the main purpose of it seems to have been figuring out how those hosts got beamed up to the cloud in the first place so it seems that the show is setting it up to that's a harder it's harder to get to them than we think right seems like sarah oh you're right you want to get to that ip that's that's what they were trying to to get out of Maeve. i think we were kind of saying look the show can hand wave that away whenever they want and i think now we're saying actually no it's going to be it's going to be harder to get there than we think it might even be a driving force for Maeve all season to be like let me go to host utopia please so it might I think that's why her dad makes more sense now because, all right, Teddy's a little harder to reach. They're not going to be able to hand wave it. And I don't know who else we've seen from the first two seasons that Dolores trusts other than her dad. It would be an incredible feat of storytelling, of like narrative complexity. I mean, just just an impressive feat if they took this Valley Beyond thing, which seemed like just a total contrivance to to delete 75% of what had come before in the show. and actually turn that into an important plot point for the future of the show. But also there's also a practical matter here of there's a, a nice mirror image thing of, I mean, Charlotte put data into Peter Abernathy's head for like 11, 11 at the last 11 episodes of the show was Charlotte right. messing with Peter. There is a nice kind of mirror image thing of Peter now being in Charlotte's head. Okay. 
Yeah. So, so I mean, but so I think that goes back to a conversation we've had before, which is pretty basic. Teddy and, and Peter Abernathy are the only trustworthy people that we can imagine in that crew. Now, I'm not sure why with Dolores with all of her powers, I mean, with all of her, and I'm not talking about her powers. I mean, like she, she literally is the God of every host here from here, from here on, at least in the real world. I mean, Maeve still exists. Westworld still exists, blah, blah, blah. But Dolores is her own, has her own little Petri dish. So anyone that she creates has to be indebted to her, right? Anyone that she like gives life to will worship her or, or at least will look to her with some sort of reverence. So, I think that the way that that whatever host was inside of Scottish Martin addressed her is an indication that it's someone who has an affection for her. But I think who who like who is going to be her, a, a functional operative for her could really be anybody. I mean, and she has too many of those, you know, brain balls, as I call them, to for it to be just limited to the people that she worked with directly. But who knows? Who knows? Let's move on from this craziness, this madness. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby, are you doing OK? I'm doing great. I had a question, but I didn't want to I don't want to. Um spur Danny down a rabbit hole again. She no, no, no. You, you ask a question and I'll I'm just all leash. respond okay. in Danny's voice. <laughs> I would my mind has that. been in Shoemaker's body for, for <laughs> years now. <laughs> I guess my question is what's at the end of all of this, right? So if we take like, <laughs> Heifetz, you mentioned Inception last week as sort of like a f- foundational text for this just because of the Nolan connection, right? If we use that as sort of like a baseline and then ask the question because Inception, they have like this sense of self, this this created reality that's identified by their totems and whatnot. But like, it doesn't seem like Westworld has totally figured out what their version of that created reality is. So either, I guess, like predictions or like hints, red herrings, anything that you might think is like what is lying at the end of this tunnel or if it's literally just nothing, just ripple effects for as far as the eye can see. I, I mean, I, damn. Um, I mean, I think this sounds really silly, but nothing can be something, right? I mean, <laughs> that like the ripple effects are might be an end in and of themselves, especially when like, like I was saying before, like the philosophical structure of the show is just sort of runs in parallel with like an action movie. Um, but I don't like what I don't know, Danny. What do you think? I think in term, I think there's probably two paths. There's one. As a path for everyone. Uh, I think the Inception, you mentioned Inception. At the end of the movie, there's a scene where they kind of all wake up after the whole thing and they're on a plane and they're all like, oh, that was weird. Um, I think that's one where they kind of either maybe they get out of this or whatever the hell happens with a simulation, not a simulation. There's a moment where they all realize, all right, we're on equal footing now. And they all kind of look around and they're like, that was weird. Or it's more, it's much darker. And I think that basically it it is Dolores gets what she wants and then realizes she's just as bad as people and she realizes that she in the process of seeking to destroy everyone has committed such horror that she you think this is a journey of her self-realization like she's going to realize what she's done and 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 her humanity or she will evolve from that i don't know if she evolves but i think that i i do think that there is a uh some sin coming i mean not to lean too far into the garden of eden but like if season one is the finale of season one is about the creation and the finale of season two is kind of it's also following these lines i think season three i think getting expelled from eden would make a lot of sense and i think that like but isn't that what the real world is isn't aren't we already in the expulsion from eden unless unless we're in park five right now 
Well, that's the thing is I'm saying if, if the show actually is going to go down this thing of simulations and stuff, I think that where like where we're going is also is, is in some form or another. Dolores is going to have to pay for a lot of horror that she's wrecking. Listen, because- I just think that if I mean, to take the Genesis example, maybe push that a little bit farther, but I guess it could work without it. I mean, Adam, whether or not you believe in if you're you're a literalist when it comes to the Bible or not, I mean, and, and you know, props to people who are, I guess, out there. But like, like Adam and Eve, as they exist in the Bible, are just are like metaphors with legs and varying amounts of ribs, right? I mean, they're just like they're not they don't function as human beings in outside of the context of the story of the, you know, the, 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 whatever the legend that's being told about them. And I think that in some sense, Dolores is sort of an interesting parallel to that because the whole show up to this point has been about the human, the potential for humanity or not the whole show, but so much of it has been about the, you know, the humanity of, of hosts. Right. And now she gets out into the real world or wherever we are. Uh, and, her humanity is sort of like suddenly very secondary because now that she can walk amongst humans and like pose as a human and everything else, like, does it, are we interested in all in the distance between where she is now and what like the final form will be? Cause I don't, I'm not sure that it's a dis it's not, I'm not sure it's a distinction that has much meaning to anybody watching the show. Now the, the, the parallel question about whether or not humans are actually subsur or, you know, subordinate, qualitatively to hosts or whatever humans are closer to robots than hosts are that's interesting i guess but whether or not she can achieve some sort of deeper self-realization self-actualization i mean maybe maybe but i I mean i I, i'm not quite there i think if there's a self-realization it's not like some another mind-blowing i think that it's not another mind-blowing simulation on the horizon it's more that she's more connected to humanity than she thinks the back and forth of her being created by bernard and bernard creating her thing i think that where it will be is she has all this hatred for mankind and she kind of despises people because she thinks that people have this need to create a God in their mind. Right. That's what she says about the nucleus accumbens and that people have to create the idea of God. And now humanity has gotten so close to creating God. They actually created gods. I think that she was created in humans image. And that I think that what she's going to realize is that she also has this need to kind of create a God of some sort and that humanity part of her needs people as much as she hates them. Well, let's let's put a pin in that and and use and my uh, use this as a very rough segue. The whole time we were talking about the conversation that she had with, at that party with the with the friend of of Liam's and uh, what you were just talking about. The thought, the thing that kept echoing through my head is a very important line from a movie that I just watched recently called Jurassic Park, which incidentally is written by uh, the same dude who wrote Westworld. Um, and I know I'm not educating anybody on that. That was that was said tongue in cheek. I hope that that conveys through the microphone. But uh, there's that scene at the very beginning where, or towards the beginning, where they're riding in the uh, in the in the in the jeep or whatever, uh, waiting for the T Rex to pop out. And the I think the footsteps are pounding or whatever. And 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 Dr. Malcolm says, "God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs." And then Ellie says, "Dinosaurs eat man." woman inherits the earth and it's really hard even though this is sort of like a fun uh, like a like a funhouse mirror version uh, maybe a, an inverted version of what you were just talking about it's kind of hard to, to not have that in my head as we're discussing uh another michael Crichton opus but the reason why i use that as a segue is because jurassic park actually played a role in episode two and it went right over my head you want to explain Oh my. Well, first of all, I would tie a bow on the whole thing with, I think, the point of the show and where it's going. Life finds a way. That's the real lesson from Jurassic Park. Wow. 
Wouldn't that be great if the whole show was just like we? You could have saved yourself a lot of time and just watched Steven Spielberg uh, direct a dinosaur chase for two hours. Well, so that that's basically where we're going here because we, so we the Game of Thrones cameo, which first of all, did you like it or not? Because they walk in and there's the dragon and then it's the two creators of Game of Thrones. They're just chilling. I some notes on this, but first off, did you like it or not? Here's what I'll say. There, there's <laughs> I keep making other references. There's an episode of Family Guy where they're or the whole family's about to drown and they're making admissions that they would have never admitted before. Oh, yeah. And uh, Peter admits that he didn't like the Godfather, and everybody's like, <laughs> "What in the hell?" And they're just screaming. His whole family is screaming at him, and he's just like, "No, no, no, no!" It insists upon itself, <laughs> and, and like just the most like sort of like like eggheady and like uh, uh, knock on the movie, which is probably true, but that's fine. The I thought that that scene sort of insisted on itself a little bit too much. Actually, you know what a better example is? It's like the old comedian's uh, uh, line about putting a hat on a hat. It's like that that scene would have been totally fine if it if if it had just been those two guys in the background and we just passed right by them. You know, like we it didn't need them talking and like going over the top about what they were about to do. Now, we wouldn't have had the Jurassic Park reference in there, which I guess you're about to explain. But I guess to me, to me, it was to, to me, it was funny and I liked it. But it feels like the humor was just like. It felt like it was done by it was produced by someone who like wasn't sure that anyone was going to get their joke, and that's like humor based in like kind of reticence or fear is never going to land to me because you like they just told the same joke three times over to make sure that you got it. No, I mean I think look so first of all so they it's Maeve and Sizemore in the simulation are walking through and Maeve's actually talking about bad writing and lazy writing and they walk through into a new world and it's medieval world Westeros world whatever you want to call it and there's a a character that looks like the the host that looks like the hound from game of thrones and they walk around the corner and there's a dragon literally drogon the dragon from game of thrones uh and then there's the two creators of game of thrones uh david benioff and db weiss are sitting <laughs> one of them is like has his feet on the table like lazy the other is trying to chop up the dragon and sell him for money like what so one of them's trying to get rich and one of them's lazy which is kind of the two biggest criticisms they've gotten which i enjoyed and then they're like i've got a buyer in costa rica and uh, like with which was where Jurassic Park took place with with the idea being that they're going to bring dragons to Jurassic Park because it's Michael Crichton. It's funny. So on the Game of Thrones part, I think everyone who's upset about it has is a, being a little too uptight. I think there's a massive gap between people who found out about it on the Internet beforehand out of the context of the show and the people who saw it normally. And I think if you saw it normally like Game of Thrones, you laughed. And I, I also think that most people don't know what those dudes look like. So they just saw a dragon and then later were like, oh, my God, those were the creators. I think no, it's no, no, completely no. different. If that had if been you, let, let me let me jump in here. If that had, if it had been two random actors, I would have been fine with it. But I think the pro, you're making the you're making the point you're making is the is the criticism of it. And I don't want to spend too long on this. But what we saw was like a totally justifiable, a totally fine in joke about Game of Thrones. The problem is we're not watching Game of Thrones right now. Right. Like this is not like that would have been that would have been a totally fine like like whatever like Easter egg to throw up on like whatever the Game of Thrones YouTube page is. That's fine. Put it in a teaser for whatever the next Westeros show is. That's fine. But like as an aside in Westworld, it just felt like a little bit much. That's all. I thought it was hilarious. And I also wanted I was going to say also just Jurassic Park. What if like all the again, I think the best possible outcome from this is that Maybe they didn't mess up the end of Game of Thrones. Maybe Game of Thrones was always a park in Westworld. And what if Jurassic Park was always a park in Westworld? Because, as we have discussed, why wouldn't you build, why would you build 
cowboys before dinosaurs. Wouldn't you obviously want to build Jurassic Park as if you have this technology? First of all, it's easier to build dinosaurs because no one look, knows what a dinosaur looks like. Uh-huh. And, you know, they don't have to talk. They don't have to do other things the Westworld robots have to do. You know, it, it, dinosaurs would be way easier, way more fun. You could charge way more money. If you're just talking about a business, you get the dinosaurs first. That's how you get the people flowing in the parks. Then you add Westworld. You add all these other ones. So what if Jurassic Park was never real? It was all just robots. Simulation of robots. That would have made the entire plot of Jurassic Park really unnecessary. What if it's a simulation of robot dinosaurs? That was Jurassic Park. If that's true, then the storyline that the, that that Jurassic World would be would have been based on is the storyline from Jurassic Park. Like it's not a, it's not like you're going to visit dinosaurs. It's like you're going to visit a land where we have created recreated dinosaurs, right? Because otherwise, nothing that happened in the movie would have made any sense. Because why would they be talking about stealing DNA? Well, did, sorry, you, never mind. Did you Let's not see Jurassic on. World 2? Because the whole thing was a simulation. You didn't, <laughs> didn't see catch that one. I didn't want to spoil it for everyone. Let, the whole movie is a simulation. Let's just a, move on. Okay. Other nuggets. What else do we need to know? Uh, real quick. Liam Dempsey, uh, Tick OR07 on Reddit captured a screenshot of the, the tablet. Someone's looking at Liam Dempsey's tablet, which is Dolores' oh, yeah. boyfriend. He's worth $315 billion. Nice. Keeper. Uh, <laughs> he has had 17 trips to Westworld, and he has earned the Golden Gunslinger level. Which is, I guess, is like Call of Duty badges, but you know, for real, for billionaires. Wait, can I ask a really stupid question? Yeah, how much is how much is a dollar in this economy? Like, how much well, of that no, is inflation? I was, that's, that that's was going to be my wondering. stupid question, but I have a better one. Because um, that could be like thirty billion dollars. I was going to, yeah, that's that. what I want to know. I'm not sure that really matters. I understand that if you're like, who was the dude from? Who was the the first guy we saw this season? What was his name? Jerry. If you're Jerry. And you're woken up in the middle of the night and you have a gas mask on and there's someone swimming in your pool and then she like attacks you. I can understand in that moment, not and not immediately like drawing the straight line to the place where you spent your bachelor party and someone you might have seen there for a minute. But like if you have a golden gunslinger award or whatever the That's hell this is, question. how would Liam Dempsey not recognize Dolores? That's a good question. Maybe maybe it's just seventeen trips to Delos and not just Westworld specifically. But no, I, I got the golden, impression was, you don't get a yeah, golden gunslinger, gunslinger just from going to like War World. Yeah, you'd think he would know. Wow. Maybe he just saw somebody that looked a lot like her, and he was like, "Wow, that's why it's meant to be." But that's that's yeah. super suspect. You just tore a hole through the whole thing. Yeah, well, forget about it. Okay, what else do we have to know? That is important stuff. I mean, that is that is good to know, like why he has some affection for her or whatever. But anyway. Episode um, of the name of the episode is the Winter Line, which we mentioned a World War II reference to the bat like battle line fortifications in Italy. Did not know it is the winter. A Winter Line is also reference to an atmospheric phenomenon where when warm air is trapped under cold air, there is a second horizon, two horizons. So look at that. Mm. Is one of them a vertical horizon? No, one of them filled with dinosaurs. No, I just I just and wanted an excuse to, oh, okay. to do a sound drop of everything you want. Bobby, can you make that happen? Anyway, um, uh, what else? What else do we need to know? Uh, what else happened in this episode? Um, uh, the Maeve plotline of being in simulation is basically the fourth episode of Rick and Morty in season one. Shout yeah, out to Rick well, and Morty. Uh, listen, always shout out to Rick and Morty. What else? What else we have? What are what are other nuggets this week? Uh, just 
again, just the more I watch that last scene with Ciroc and Maeve, it is, I, I, look, I know that I have just beat the Garden of Eden thing into the ground forever, but literally he is this slithery dude and he is literally yeah. giving a soliloquy about how mankind is awful and God's creations are awful. And like while he's holding an apple in a garden. Oh yeah. There's huge no serp- doubt there. Huge serpent vibes, huge serpent vibes. He's a very serpenty fellow. And yeah, but then we get in this whole thing. And I feel like this is where we are over and over again with this show is like, like who called Eve, right? I mean, like who gets to play each, each of these roles. And I think that in a lot of ways, this is what, you know, the, if the very premise of the show is, this is, is going to be, and we, you talked a lot about Dolores and Bernard and obviously that's a real thing, but we had the sort of Dolores Maeve, uh, reverse magnetism thing going on throughout the entire show, just in terms of the narrative side. And I think that there's a lot of, we keep on coming back to like, who is this show actually about? Or like, who is actually the Eve? Who is the Adam? You know, like whatever. Who is the creator? Who is the who, who is the most important character in the short story we're going to tell? And the answer doesn't have to be one or the other. But I think it's interesting how they're sort of jockeying, both both jockeying to play similar metaphorical roles in the same episode or in the same season. Um, there's one other thing that you made a note here of of the uh, aspect ratio. Oh yes, um, the aspect ratio in season two. So when they they was briefly when they were going to simulations in season two, where there was an actual thing they had to plug into. They the the shows act, like went to widescreen. So those two black bars came up at the bottom and the top of your screen, and it was a different aspect ratio. And that was how the show showed what was and was not a simulation. And when the actual reveal happened in this episode. And Maeve was looking at Sizemore and he glitched and she was like, holy shit. The show changed aspect ratio. It slid into the, so the, the black box lowers from the the top and rises from the bottom of your screen. So if there was any other doubt, like they actually visually mirrored what they did in season two, which is kind of like a sick little, little Easter egg there. I'm not terribly interested in the aspect ratio stuff, but like, but it is, it is really rewarding when you do pay attention. You're a huge art guy. I thought you'd be all about the aspect ratio. Yeah, to me, it's sort of like when there's like a chapter of a book that's in italics or in like a funny Adobe font. It's like, you know, maybe you could just like, you know, write the story without doing that, without like hitting me over the head with it. Wait, did you know that Liam Dempsey's uh, tablet is all written in Comic Sans? <laughs> that's how you know it's a letter. There you go. Um, okay, well, we, let's, let's, we got we to start hustling through this. Let's go on to some reader mail. How does that sound? Re- Why do I say reader mail? Is it just listener mail? I'm, I'm too much. I'm still a writer at heart, I guess. Well, um, more of a typer, but yeah. Uh, let's, so we've been through, we, we touched on a couple of the, uh, on, on a couple of letters we got. Um, this one's from Dave, uh, Dave Tackiff. I hope it's okay to say his whole name. He included in the note. Uh, hey guys, wanted to throw a theory at you, both regarding Danny's favorite Rehoboam, uh, uh, the intermissions between scenes where we just got uh, where we, we get a white screen saying divergence or anomaly detective are not just table setters, but actually a visualization of Rehoboam at work. It has been it, it has everyone working towards goals. It sees its most prudent, efficient, and Dolores steering a tech billionaire Bernard, a tech billionaire or Bernard convincing a man to drive a boat uh, into Westworld waters are picked up on the right on on Rehoboam's radar. Uh, Caleb fits into this one too because he is so far constantly acting against his best quote unquote best interest love that idea also love this note from John G uh, hey there my theory is that Hoboam cannot see Dolores love this love this love this she's an anomaly because it can see the effect she has on its data but cannot see her she's causing an unpredictability spike in its strategies that are mapping out all over human activity and it doesn't quite understand it yet yes that I, that that sews it all together for me 
the thing about the the table setting, those white screens with the anomaly flashes on them, yeah, that is that is certainly like Rehoboam warning signals, data, whatever. I actually didn't catch that on episode one and feel felt dumb about it. So by the time I realized it in episode two, I didn't make a big deal about it on the show. A little peek behind the curtain there, but uh, but I do think that John G's note actually takes this to his logical conclusion. That would be the anomaly. Things are happening that don't. I mean, and these two emails obviously fit together pretty seamlessly. The anomalies come to pass because because the, these are hosts acting of their own accord, which, as we've been t- talking about for however many episodes we've been doing this now, this whole ep- this whole season is about how humans are closer to robots than the hosts are. Um, the idea that the Robum can't even see Dolores, I think, is in some ways almost doesn't need to be said, right? I mean, it's it's it, it is a, a fun reflection or parallel to. Uh, hosts not being able to see things they're not supposed to see on Westworld, like Bernard in the in the basement, but it's also just very basic, right? I mean, what's well, a fun spin is, on Ghost in the Machine? Yes, exactly. But also, like Rehoboam, Rehoboam is not Rehoboam is not a god consciousness, right? I mean, Rehoboam is not necessarily like literally a brain that is running our lives. It is a tool in some sense, an all powerful tool, whatever. But like, why would it be able to see things? It's not legislated to control that makes a whole lot of sense there so anyway i like that do you have any thoughts on that subject i think i think you nailed it i do want to i do want to shout out when that happens i do want to shout out graham hart who sent an email that literally just said hi guys for danny re hobo um thanks <laughs> g he yes. literally wrote thanks g so wow uh i'm one i feel very disrespected and two uh i think i'm gonna remember this now because of graham so re hobo um yeah is that it yeah that's it but yeah no i think that rehobo um can't see them so there you go we're gonna have a weekly segment called uh pronunciation corner with graham hart it's gonna be fantastic um (laughs) thanks g okay last email uh this is this is the unofficial email of the week we should get a a trophy for this one that we don't actually mail to anybody but just you know it's a simulation of a trophy yeah (laughs) Um, this this is from uh paul wood it's about caleb we didn't see any caleb in the last episode but obviously he's gonna play a big role um hi guys i was a bit surprised you didn't catch on to clues from the third season episode one about caleb it could be a red herring but there were a few moments that showed caleb might be a host human hybrid a host human hybrid you heard that right number one he was wake up view was the same as dolores we talked about that number two his mother and i totally whiffed on this his mother told him he wasn't her son it could be dementia but what if it wasn't maybe she could see a fake caleb uh Three, the debrief for the psychologist seemed very mechanical, sort of uh, like some of these, some of the ones we've seen before, I guess, like an engineer figuring out negotiating code in a machine. Um, and then there's uh, the Vitruvian man host painting in the tunnel when Caleb cares for Dolores. Now, this is this is the theory. This is Paul's theory. Dolores and or Insight robocopped soldiers for their human thought host implant testing. In the second season, William said they were close to getting stability. Um his, this is the theory that Caleb died in the war and as property of the state, his thoughts were transferred into a representative body. He woke up in his host body and he's being monitored for stability and testing. He's not aware of this, but he may be drawn to Dolores because of it. Um, I really like this idea. I think that I'm super jealous. It might be totally unnecessary. Everything that we talk about here is unnecessary. Uh, this might be one of those things that like we might still be able to believe at the end of the season and it's not been proven or disproven one way or the other, but man, those flashbacks to the war, Dan, I, a reader named Dan wrote in to, to, to with a more, a, 
a sort of parallel question. He says, are we sure that Francis, a.k.a. Kid Cudi, actually died in the war? Um, all of that did seem a little bit uh, hocus-pocusy. And the, just everything about, everything about Caleb's, Caleb in episode one seemed like it was constructed so that it could have the curtain pulled back on it. You know what I mean? Like it felt like, it felt like watching Memento where you're just like, oh, I immediately know that this is a puzzle and I'm just getting some of the pieces. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, obviously Jonathan Nolan, you know, helped write Memento and yes, he was writing this. Exactly. And I think that I'm, I'm jealous of this. I'm jealous of Paul. I think we need to send Paul a trophy. We can just email Paul back a picture of a trophy. I think that from now on, what can we do that? We'll just email. If you send us the theory of the week, we will email you back a picture of a trophy and then you will have that digital trophy. <laughs> Okay. Does that work? We're officially emailing a trophy. The first right. one is Paul. Paul Wood, you win the first trophy. Any when we get to a question where basically the response is, I'm jealous of that question. I'm jealous of that email. I'm jealous that you thought that way. Uh I think we've reached the end of the episode. Guys, thank you for doing this. Um Bobby, do you have any closing thoughts? I feel more confused than I did at the beginning of this podcast. That That's my is what thought. we're going for. That's, <laughs> That's what, the, exactly the, what we're going for. The questions are more important than the answers. Thanks for the simulation of Tuesday. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, this has been a fantastic Tuesday, a.k.a. Wednesday. Um, we will see you back here on Sunday night, immediately after the East Coast airing of Westworld Season 3, Episode 3. I'm excited. I'm sure you're all excited. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us, as always, at Westworld at gmail.com. Danny Heifetz will email you a trophy if you send us a good email. Um, thank you for listening. We will see you back here on Sunday night. <laughs>